I'm so tired. There's not enough hours in the day. Bullshit excuses. I've got too much to do. I have to work late. I have to run the kids around. The bullshit excuses. I have to get up early tomorrow. They end now. This is fitness for nine to fivers. You work day-to-day jobs. In fact, you may even have two, and you've been trying to fit in a healthy lifestyle. We have the solution. This is fitness for nine to fivers. And this is Andrew Marsham. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness for Lying Survivors podcast. Today we are going to cover meal timings. Um, we will also be getting into the client Q&A, which will no doubt be full of questions that you want to know the answer to, um, because my clients are probably people in similar positions to yourself um, who need to make who are looking to make progress, but are in a, in a really good position to do so. If anyone has any questions, Karina, good to see you on. If you have any questions, please, by all means, jump in and let me know. Um, today we are going to get into meal timings. What should the day of a nine to fiver of someone look like when it comes to meal timings? Well, let's break it down into two practical examples. Two of the most common practical examples and how you can structure your meals in terms of how you time them for optimal. Um, now, one thing that I will cons- that I will touch on first and foremost is it's far more far more important to consider. Um, no problem, please. Um, it's far more important to consider what you're taking an overall day as opposed to a certain time of the day. Um, let's look at two examples. Someone who works out first thing and someone who works out after work, maybe 5, 6, 7 p.m. Uh, those are probably going to be the two most popular. Um, so let's kind of look at how we can structure those meals and how I would personally structure them. Let's start with the morning training. Anyone who trains in the morning, um, this is it's always going to come down to personal preference. If you like to, to eat or consume something in the morning, I would recommend having it. If you can stomach it, get something small in. Um, even if it is, you know, something like I do, I, if I, when I was training in the morning, what I used to do was have a snack, a couple of snacker jacks and a protein shake. Very easy to consume very easily digestible. There was no real digestive stress. The last thing that I want to be doing when I'm training is worrying about throwing up or being too full. I have done it countless times. I don't know how many times I used to do it when I was training in the morning as well. Um, And it really does hinder what you can do in the workout. It really does hinder your progress, your ability to perform in that workout. And at the end of the day, if your, goal is, if your goal is to look good, you want to maintain and build as much muscle as you can in, in that training session. Whether your goal is fat loss or muscle building, that's likely your goal. Um, so you need to be performing at the highest level you possibly can at every given opportunity. So trying to get something small in at least will, would be beneficial. Now, if you're someone who does not feel like you can eat or doesn't want to eat or doesn't feel like you need to, not a problem. Um, Again, if you're someone who's in that position, I would probably try to have a larger meal the night before. 
Andrew, don't carbs, don't, isn't, isn't dangerous to eat carbs after six? Not in the slightest. Um, again, I've covered this on multiple occasions, but if you're eating carbs later at night, as long as your calorie, calories equate to the day, you're all good. Um, because that by default, you then have to likely eat less calories in the morning time. Um, so again, things will balance out. Um, looking at your, then how you spread your calories out throughout the day can be quite key. If your goal is muscle building, I know we're doing the fat loss challenge at the moment, but at some point your goal may be muscle building, and at some and in a fat loss phase, your goal should be to retain as much of that muscle mass that you've built as humanly possible. Whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're older, whether you're younger, it does not matter. Your goal should always be to maintain as much muscle mass as you possibly can. It is the key to longevity. It is the key to living youthfully. It is the key to so many different things. Increased quality of life. Having muscle mass should be a thought process for everyone. It really should. Um, there is not enough information out there pushing that or around this. Really focusing on creating an environment where you can build as much muscle and maintain as much muscle as you possibly can is absolutely key. Um, so how does that look in terms of nutrition throughout the rest of the day? If I was someone who was training in the morning, I would probably then have a larger meal post-workout, um, purely to refuel the body, get things going again. It's when you're likely to most need those calories as well. Then I would simply spread meals evenly throughout the rest of the day. So let's say I trained at 7 a.m., I come into work, ate at my desk at 9, then the rest of the day I'm having a lunch meal at 12, something around dinner time and then maybe something around seven, eight o'clock. That's perfectly fine. That, that is a bang on for what you need. Um, in terms of spreading meals throughout the day, it has been shown to be far more beneficial to spread protein feedings evenly throughout the day as opposed to trying to cram it into one or cram it into two. You will get better results with spreading meals more evenly throughout the day. Now, if you're someone who really enjoys eating a larger dinner, but trains in the morning, and you can stick to your diet better by eating a larger meal at night, then have a larger meal at night. The, the considerations around every single thing that you do should be based off of your ability to stick to the plan in place. If you do not have a plan, if you do not have a structure, you're fucked. <laughs> you are going to struggle. I'm sorry, but I am not saying anything else. Um, anyone who goes through life winging it all the time, is likely to maybe get some results to start with, but there is no predictability, there is no focus, there is no direction, there is no possibility of you predicting your success. If you're not tracking anything, if you're not measuring anything, if you're not recording anything, if you're not going out and actioning a plan every single day and every single week, your chances of success are through the floor. It's plain and simple. I'm just, I'll say it how it is. Um, if you don't know how to put that plan together, if you don't know how to put that structure in place, have someone do it for you or ask someone for help. Go and pick up the free meal plan that's linked in my show notes. Go and get the free workout guide that is linked in my show notes as well. Do you know why I give so much free stuff away? And this is me being 100% honest. The workout guide that I give away for free is not too dissimilar to what kind of workouts I give my clients. Yes, they have the Andrew Marshall Fitness app with instructional videos and methods to record and things like that, which is a bit more, which is far better, let's just say as it is. And 
the, the free meal plan that I give, that is 99 times out of, 95 times out of 100, the meal plan that clients start on, the, the free one. The reason that it works is because clients then actually take action on it. There is no magic formula. I am not hiding anything from anyone. The only thing that separates you from the results you want is your lack of action. And people take action when they invest in themselves and have some accountability. Everyone can go and get a plan. Everyone can go and get a structure. But having a, making an investment into yourself, having someone tell you this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, and this is what the game plan is this week, is night and day going to change your results 10 times. I have a fitness coach. He tells me what to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, nutrition-wise, training-wise, everything. I could write meal plans and training programs all day, but having someone have that give me that structure and have that accountability is game-changing. There is absolutely no way I'd have got in the best shape of my life for that photo shoot back in March if I did not have a coach. Not a chance. You look at every single top athlete in the world. Roger Federer, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, the, the, all these fa the famous basketball players like uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Michael Jordan. Doesn't matter. You look at every single top-level sports person in the world, what do they all have? Coaches. They've, got, they, they've probably got about fucking 40 coaches, but that's not the point. The point is that the best in the world consistently seek out advice, help, and mentorship. So why is it when we're just looking to lose a bit of body fat, we have no idea how to do it, the best way to do it, or stress with work, We've got a family to look after. You've got nights out, events. It's not even your field of interest. Do you then try and do it all alone? It is the quickest way to disappoint yourself and continually waste time. I've done it for years myself, and I was right into it. After three to four years, I went nowhere. Um, this turned into a bit of a rant, um, just to get caught myself there, but that's what happens. <laughs> so, firstly, the, 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 in what I said there, I 100% stand by. The most effective thing you can do, the best thing you can do for your health, your fitness, your goals, everything, is by getting some help. Um, but for those, that in terms of the structure for a time, <laughs> that feels so off topic and back to what I was speaking about at the start here now. Um, but when you're setting up a meal plan timings-wise for someone in the morning, if you can eat in the morning, you can stomach it, and there's enough time between you getting up and going to the gym and you working out, then have something to eat. Have something small. It doesn't need to be massive. I wouldn't even recommend something massive. I would recommend something very light, very small, that has some protein and maybe some carbs in it. That's it. That's all I would recommend. As I said, I literally had two rice cakes and some protein powder. That was it. Um, then maybe have a larger meal part after your workout and spread your meals evenly throughout the day. That's it. Forget the rest, have a protein source at each meal, you're golden. Um, those who train in the evening, this again could be slightly different. For those who are in a fat loss phase, you may want to take advantage of the first half of the day. If you're someone who finds that your the hands are wandering at night, the biscuit tin's looking more and more tempting, you're a bit bored, you're watching Netflix, there's chocolate biscuits down the stair, and <laughs> they've been sitting there all week, um, all that kind of thing, then maybe saving some calories for that time in the evening is going to be more beneficial. So 
if you're someone who's busy, rushed, you're commuting in the morning, you're not really caring too much, you don't really give too much thought to food until lunchtime, perfect. Fast in the morning. If your goal's fat loss, it's probably going to benefit you. You may lose a little lean, muscle, lean body mass. It's actually been shown in a very recent study that those who intermittent fasted actually lost a little bit more lean body mass in a fat loss phase compared to those who spread meals evenly throughout the day. So that is a consideration. But again, if your ability to stick to the diet is compromised in the evening by not having as many calories, then it's better to fast because you're actually going to stay in the deficit. Um, so for me, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. I would always, if I was training in the evening, have lighter meals in the morning. It just worked better for me. It works better for most people. Having lighter meals that first half of the day gives you more calories in the evening. It gives you more calories around your training. Now, there has been research done, again, showing that people who ate a larger breakfast tended to burn more calories throughout the day. This was accustomed to higher energy levels in the morning. But again, it then negates the fact that it's maybe a bit harder to stick to the diet in the evening because you've got less calories. Um, so that's a consideration for yourself. But one thing I would highly recommend is, again, split the meals up evenly. The, the optimal suggestion that I would be, let's say you're someone who gets up at 6 a.m., 6.30, 7 a.m., have something to eat. Maybe you get a mid-morning break, have a snack. Have a mid-morning reasonable snack with some protein in it. Greek yogurt, protein bar, protein shake, something nice and quick and easy. Lunch, again, have a full meal. That may be your big pre-training meal. If you're training around 5, 6, 7 p.m., then have I would recommend having something. Again, maybe an hour and an hour and a half before. This will be dependent on how your digestion goes and how you actually feel when you're training. But I would highly recommend having something an hour to an hour and a half before you train. If you're going four to five hours without something in your system, you mean you may compromise your ability to, to, to perform in that session. Um, so I would have something small. I used to have a smoothie at like four o'clock when I, when I worked at BE Systems. Um, and that done me really well. It was protein, banana, Greek yogurt, raspberries, that kind of stuff on it. Really, really good. Really enjoyed it. It was a favourite of mine. I am actually going to buy the shit to make them again this week um, because my carbs are going up and I'm going into building phase. Um, so that is something I would recommend. And then in the evening time, I would always have my biggest meal. The, I have been very lean twice in my life. Very lean. Where I consider it was maybe probably single digit body fats. I don't know. Body fat isn't, but you can't really accurately test your body fat anyway. I don't really care too much for the number, that the, the body fat percentage. It, it honestly does not bother me. I like how I base and how it, what I see in the mirror. Um, but I have probably been single digit body fat twice in my life. One time, I ate my largest meals at night and I almost fasted in the morning. I literally had egg white omelette in the morning with some mushrooms and some onion, and I had a chicken salad at 9 p.m., at 9 a.m., and then I had a lunch meal with some carbs in it. That was the first I had all day, but it was literally like 100 grams of protein in the morning, and that was it, with some salad and some veg. And then that was the first time. The sit and, and I had the majority of my calories in the evening. The second time, which was my shoot, I worked out in the morning. I had the biggest meal of the day post-workout, the second biggest meal of the day at lunch, and then I had one very small meal when I come in at like half five at night, 6 p.m., and that was it. 
I was done for the evening. Didn't eat again. That was me. So that was two completely different um, timing methodologies, two completely different timings around training, exact same result. Exact same result. I felt the same. There was no, the, the only reason I'd done the, the way I'd done it the second time was so I could work when, from when I get in from work <laughs> to, uh, to I went to bed. I would literally come in from work and work until I passed out at night. And that was like half 10, 11. I would get up at half four and go again. And that is how I operated. Um, the, the opposite was I when before I started my business and I had more of a life. <laughs> But this is my life and I enjoy it. Um, so I'm not complaining. Um, but there is two completely different methods, two, two of the very similar results. And again, suit yourself, suit your own style. That is the key factor I'm pushing home here. Um, the timings don't matter that much. Unless you're an elite level athlete, you're getting to those really low body fat levels like I did. Um, it really isn't worth considering. Um, Muscle building and things like that, yes, we can put more carbs in around the workouts and stuff. You do some intra-workout things as well that will be beneficial, um, but it's nothing massive. Um, everything's going great. Questions, questions. Why has my sleep deteriorated overnight when nothing has changed? That's from Stuart. So, talk to me, Stuart, um, is that, if you don't mind. Um, has this been something that's come on this week? What's been the kind of, you know, frame around that? Give us a little bit of frame of reference if you can. That's, that's very strange. Um, nothing changed at all. Hmm. That would be that, that 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 to me would only um, encourage sleep. You know, because you're getting more active throughout the day. Um, that's a very strange one, mate. I, honestly, um, there are some times as a coach you see need to say, I don't know. Um, and this is one of them. <laughs> um, it's not very often, but I do, I do have to say that this time, mate. I do. Um, around maybe, is this the first week you've been off working a while or something along those lines? Yeah. It could it could be that your mind's trying to wander or trying to do something. I, to me, to me, that that that's the only thing that's changed. Your working environment. Um, I, honestly, I don't know how to answer that one, mate. I, <laughs> if nothing's changed around your routines, I know you're someone who's. If there's anyone who's listening or listening to this back, Stuart, I will back up to the house. Stuart is someone who's very disciplined. He's got incredible results in this program. And um, he has, he's, his results will speak, speak for themselves, in all honesty. But um, if nothing has really changed, 
it could just be an anomaly. No, some things happen um, and you can't really put a finger on it. If it persists for more than a week, we may, we may look at some potential supplements that could help. Um, as there doesn't seem to be anything wrong in terms of health markers, you're in a good place physically, mentally, body fat-wise, all that kind of thing. Um, all of those things are in check. Activity levels are good. Workout adherence is great. Step counts through the roof. There's so many good things going. So it could be we maybe just need to look at implementing something that would maybe help that sleeping process. Um, maybe around, is it potentially drinking more water or something along those lines? Did you add the vitamin C in the, the, the water this week? Yeah. So uh, the, 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 what they will generally do is help flush water out. Um, if you're getting up to go to the toilet a bit more often, maybe that could be something. Um, but I, what I would recommend is taking the vitamin C first thing in the morning, uh, which I imagine exactly. So I don't see that having an impact in sleep. Um, that, that is a strange one, mate, I must admit. Um, but something we could maybe go back and forward on a little more. Um, if your sleep routine's pretty good in terms of you know how you shut things off at night and things like that. Yeah, 100%. So, um, no, that is a strange one, mate. Maybe just a wee anomaly there. Um, and we'll see how it kind of pans out over the next couple of days, mate. Might be worth, um, maybe worth keeping an eye on. Um, let me see, let me see. Is it beneficial to have bigger weights but less reps or more reps at lower weights? Um, this is a question that gets bandied about a lot. There is no better. They both have different purposes. A screwdriver is not better than a hammer. One is better than the other in certain situations, but they both serve a purpose. They are both tools in the toolbox. That is all different rep ranges are. A well-structured program will have, if your goal is to maintain and build muscle, um, look good, look athletic, but I'm just going to, this, everyone who fucking listens to this should, should have this goal, or this is the goal. I need to stop doing this. <laughs> but everyone who has a goal of building muscle, maintaining muscle, looking lean, looking healthy, looking fit, if you're going through a pro, you should be resistance training, period. End of story. It's the best, most effective thing you can do. Um, a properly structured training program will factor in low reps with higher weights, and higher reps with lower weights. I think I got that right. <laughs> we'll see. Um, higher, <laughs> a good program will factor them all in. Oh, and remember, you have to look at, most people go in with the, the perception of a fitness program being 12 or 16 weeks and that's it. 12 or 16 weeks, fucking close the doors, cancel the gym membership, get back to eating pizza and doing absolutely nothing. Um, that is not how a fitness program works. Fitness is a lifestyle. Fitness is a choice you make in a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, decadely basis. You should be looking at uh, fitness as, as something you do. This is, that is what you are. That is what you do. That is the person that you are. It is not a 16-week pro program. Now, I'm not getting on at John here because that, that sound maybe sounds like I'm having an answer. John here, I am not. John has been on the program for a good five months and is committed. He's actually paid up until next July or something, I believe, um, or June. He's got a big event. So John is someone who is in this for the long game. Now, what we would do in that case is look at, I will literally, if I know someone is working with me for a year, if I know someone is committed to me for 12 months, I will sit down 
and plan out their workouts for a year in one sitting. In one sitting, I will plan out what they're doing for a year. Why do I do that? Because each rep range fits in with another. So for example, they all have their own benefits, therefore you need to plan them in. So let's say, for example, you come in day one. I'm probably going to put you in the eight to 12 rep range for eight weeks. Then we may focus on a lower rep range, six to eight. Then we may switch to a higher rep range. We're doing 12 to 15. Then we may go higher again, 15 to 20, and dial it back down again to six to eight. So you're getting different periods. It's the, the technique is called periodization, where you're going through different phases, being exposed to different rep ranges, different weights, and they will all tie into different goals. Now, there is something to be said that the majority of hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, occurs in the 8 to 15 rep range. That seems to be the most bang for your buck. But if all you ever do is 8 to 15 reps, you have gains to be made in 5 to 8, and you have gains to be made in like 15 to 20. As long as you're over around 60% of your one rep max, so let's say you can bench 100 kilos for one reps, if you put 60 in the bar, I reckon you could probably get 20 to 25 quite easily if you have the ability to bench 100 kilos. As long as you are taking that set to within a couple of reps to failure, it is going to be effective. You could probably go all the way to 30 to 40 reps if it's within that 60% and still see effective results if you're taking it close to failure. You have to train with intensity. You have to train to the point where you're struggling and being challenged. You can't just fucking go in the gym and flop around for 40 minutes and call that a workout. There has to be a structured, guided plan where you're going in and taking sets close to failure. That is what's going to get the results. Louise, a one rep max is the maximum weight you can do one rep with. <laughs> Sounds quite simple. But let's say, for example, on a squat, you might only be able to do one rep with 60 kilos. That's your the heaviest you could go for one rep with 60 kilos. That's your one rep max. Now, percentages and things like that, most people don't need to worry about it. Again, just focus on five to 20 reps. Like the majority of your, your rep range should come in probably five to 20 if you're someone who's got a focus in building lean athletic physique. If you're a powerlifter or a strength trainer, you're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> like, um, you're probably not here. You're probably in the wrong place. Um, <clears throat> The majority of people listen to this should focus on that 5 to 20 rep range. That's going to be the most effective. If you're doing sets of like 30 and 40, it's going to take fucking time. <laughs> you're going to get bored. Um, anything over like 15 to 20, and I'm losing interest. <laughs> so keep them shorter, keep them a bit sharper. Um, but there is no one that's better than the other. As I said, they are both essential and beneficial in their own right. Uh, Martin, better opportunity. Right, so that's not a question. Based on body fat. Continue, continue. Dean, currently using a fair bit of salt and cooking food as well as adding to food when eating. Never used before. I wonder if any negative sides to using salt. Not particularly, Dean. Um, unless you are massively overdoing it, it's very hard um, to see problems with salt. You will hear salt demonized in the media. 
It is not true. It is bullshit. It's nonsense. It's correlated with heart disease. The studies really don't show that. What the studies show is that heart disease is caused by... <laughs> so, there's a difference between correlation and causation. Now, correlation is when something trends in the same direct... I'm going to butcher this, but it's when something trends in the same direction, seemingly causing a result. So let's look at a wild example. Now, I can't remember the exact example, but this is, this is true. So the more washing machines you have, the more white goods you have in your kitchen, the more likely you are to be overweight or something along those lines, right? Now, I completely butchered that, right? It was in one of Lane Norton's videos, who's a PhD researcher from America, but the the, stu the, the study had shown that, and it was, it was to do with poverty or something along those lines, or the more white goods you had in your kitchen, it was either the less money you made or the more overweight you were. It was something that wasn't positively, it wasn't done in a positive manner. Now, the kitchen has absolutely nothing to do with fat loss or money or whatever it was, right? But because people who are more likely to have more white goods or more of this were more likely to have more body fat, then the two correlated. It seemed that one was in correlation with the other. But that is not direct causation. What the studies around Schultz, I believe, Schultz, <laughs> when did Salt get an H in it? Um, so <laughs> what the studies, I believe, uh, show Salt to have correlation with heart disease on is in processed fast foods. Now, what does that show? Processed fast foods or salty foods and things like that, what are they generally? They are generally higher in calories. Therefore, you generally see people who are overweight or have more body fat, which is the cause of heart disease, not the salt. So as long as you're reasonably hydrated, your body will flush out the excess. Um, make sure you're getting plenty of water. Just don't drink pints of salt water um, and you should be fine. <laughs> but again, I use salt is essential for performance, uh, hydration. It's, it's an essential mineral. You need salt to survive. What do athletes sometimes do um, before a race or before a big event? And you, and you, you may have heard of it, you may not. Teaspoon of salt in the, the tongue and some water. Some of the pro-level athletes do that, like world-class Olympic-level athletes. Um, the strongest guy in the world, Hathor Bjornsson, he is famous for doing that, um, having salt before his, um, his big lifts or before a session. Why? It's good for performance. Again, just keep hydrating. You'll be perfectly fine. It gets flushed out. So do not fear salt. Um, and that is it for this evening. Um, hopefully, you all enjoyed that. Um, slight tangent to dealing with meal timings, but in all honesty, I do enjoy them. <laughs> hopefully, you did all enjoy that. If anyone's got any questions, comments, anything whatsoever, you know where to find me. Um, if you haven't done so already, pick up your free meal plan and workout guide in the bio. As I said, that is genuinely where a lot of the clients I work with start. Um, so if you actually want to see some results, then take some action. Um, that is all it requires. Um, but hopefully you all had a lovely evening. Um, and if you want to help pay the dues on the podcast, don't ask for any fee. Don't ask for money. Um, just simply leave a like or a review. That would be massively appreciated. And share it on with your friends if you do, uh, if you enjoyed it. Um, hopefully you did, and we'll see you all in the next one.
You've been listening to Fitness for 9 to Fivers with Andrew Marsham. You're a grown-ass human being. You have a job, maybe two, kids, errands, bills, a wife, friends. And while the excuse list gets bigger, so does your waist. That's where Andrew comes in. Until next time, find Andrew on Facebook at andrew.marsham.737 and on Instagram at andrewmarsham underscore fitness. To reach out to Andrew, send an email at amfit1993 at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.